podcast episode it's boxing day so i hope you're all hung over and have been enjoying yourselves but it's not just boxing day is it it's also day 26 of Christmas, and it is the last day in our alphabet series the last letter of the alphabet is of course said and we will be looking at the top five greatest players of all time surnames ending with zed and joining us yet again for this one is Dev from the MAD Sports Network. Hey, how Hello, are you doing, guys? Hope you're not too yes. hungover or too, you know, um, full up from yesterday. I'm, I'm both, I'm afraid, but we will power through. Power through. Hope you had a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. The head's not feeling too good, but we move. We move, as the kids say, yes. Right, so, Zed. I really like this one. This is this has got some top names, especially as I'm not sure I've met anyone with a surname beginning with Z. But when it <laughs> comes to football, they're all over the place. Or if they are, if they do have a surname beginning with Z, it seems that they've got to be a baller. Yeah. That's that's what I found anyway. Well, I, I struggled on this to be honest, because my mind just kept saying Bobby Zamora. I couldn't get past Bobby Zamora. Obviously, you've got. <laughs> You're, you're the absolute legend was that begin with Zed. But then I'm thinking, who else is there? And my mind was like, Bobby Zamora? I'm like, no, I'm not putting Bobby Zamora in this list. How about Bobby Zamora? No. So um, hopefully you haven't... That was devil and me angel on your shoulder. <laughs> well, I think, I think you've clarified that Zamora doesn't make no. your, your final five, uh, which I'm sure he'll be annoyed about. But look, Bobby, if you're listening... You just got to accept that there is better players than you uh, with the surname Z. He was at six. Oh, just say that. He was at six. Yeah, he was at six. Honorable mention. Okay, so number five. Who have you got at number five? Zlatko Zahajevic. Was, um, uh, Double Z. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a guy who I used to sign all the time on Championship Manager. One of my first signings. And he was probably the first player who made me realise how much it must suck to be so talented but born on the wrong piece of land. Because he, he was a very, yeah. very good attacking midfielder from Slovenia. And this was before Slovenia had the likes of Oblak and um, other players who could get into teams across Europe. He was like the only one, mm. you know, um, at Porto, I believe it was. He was in the Champions League regularly, always playing well in the Champions League. And that he was... He reminded me of Yari Lippmanen as well. He was another one who I thought, it's a damn shame you're from where you're from because you should be playing World Cups and European Championships and whatever else. But yeah, Zlatko Zahajevic was a classy, classy player. Got some wonderful goals in the Champions League as well. Um, so he snuck in at my number five, just ahead of Bobby Zamora. Yeah, even if he had been born, you know, 10, 15 years earlier than he, he could have been playing in, in a lot more better sides on the international stage because of course, he, yeah, he came for Yugoslavia in the 
early nineties, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I remember him most at Ben Benfica. I don't know if it was with Pablo Amar or Pablo Amar might have placed him there potentially, but yeah, classy player. I think he was. Did Slovenia cause? I know they didn't go through their group, but I think they might have caused a shock at, at one of the games at the O2 World Cup, which, yeah, would would have been his, his sort of peak yeah. from, the, from the national team perspective. So, yeah, that's that's a solid shout. A double Z as well. So, I, I wouldn't have <laughs> expected a double Z. So, yeah, he's done well there. That's one of the double Zs. I'm sure there's going to be another one popping up somewhere, surely. Oh yes, yeah, thank <laughs> you. What? Yeah, <laughs> saying that, yeah, we are, we are probably doing another one. But uh, my number five is Gianfranco Zola. Yeah, magician is probably the best way to describe him. Yeah, he's only about five foot four. Oh, didn't matter, did it? Just drink past any player, really. Scored some great goals. Real legend at Chelsea, growing up. Carlos Jordan, massive Chelsea fan. He was all over Zola as a kid, and I couldn't imagine that any Chelsea player could outdo his legacy. Uh, I mean, I think they have now. It's fair to say, but at the time, he he was a god there, and one of the best ever foreigners to play in the Premier League at at that time. Really great free kick taker too, and probably my favourite moment from him was his last ever game. For Chelsea, when he was in the corner, absolutely embarrassed Jamie Carragher and a couple of other <laughs> Liverpool players. Yeah. Just, just dancing for him. No, that's what he was all about. And always had a smile on his face as well. Yeah. No, he, he's a little bit higher up on my list. Um, I've got him at number three. But yeah, John Sanko. This guy, even before Chelsea, Palmer, you know, um, yeah. doing absolute bits at Palmer as well. Yeah, one of those players who, regardless of what team you support, you can't help but admire him. I think that's one of the testaments to how good Franco Zola was. And the fact that he played with a smile on his face, he didn't have a nasty bone in his body. Do you know what I mean? He, he was just, he loved the game of football. You could clearly see that. He was very, very good at the game of football as well. Scored outrageous goals, did outrageous things almost on a daily basis. And he was... A lot of people support Chelsea because of him now, you know. And yeah. that's, again, that's a testament to just how good a player is. Yeah, it was. It was him and Ruth Phillip really, the, the two kind of key foreign imports that that made Chelsea a big enough brand really for, for people that are very much to to want to consider buying them. And yeah, it, it's mad. He, he didn't really join Chelsea till he was about thirty years old as well. So what yeah. what he could have done in the Premier League. Uh, yes, yeah. he joined five years earlier. Who knows? Just yeah, top player, and also that that goal against Norwich as well, the one where he it was sort of on the corner and he flicked it in. Yeah, yeah. as a top finish too. But I also think he's a bit of a um, he's another one who kind of suffered because of the amount of talent in his kind of position in terms of in Italy. You had the likes yes. of Baggio, yes. you know, Mancini. Um, all of these really great players that played in s- similar positions to him that probably meant he didn't get as much glory for the national side as he as he probably could have, you know. 
Yeah, back in the early 90s, mm. uh, Italy was very, very deep in attacking talent. I mean, these days, <laughs> there's hardly anything, <laughs> is there? But yeah. yeah, back then it was, it was a completely different story, for sure. Uh, so, he's your number three. Yeah. Who is your number four? I've gone with Ivan Zamorano. I thought he'd make an appearance. Yeah. It was it was tough between Zamorano and Z Roberto. They were the two uh-huh. I was like, mm, I'm not sure. And I've gone for Zamorano just because, you know, um, that Inter team back in the day, Zamorano was always a mainstay. Yeah. And, you know, you had R9 pop up. You had, um, you know, all these other strikers pop up. But Zamorano was always there with the pouts. Famously changed his shirt number to accommodate R9 to, mm. what was it, 8 plus 1 or whatever he made it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> but um yeah, he, he was a great striker and he was he he was you know, we spoke yesterday about Mario Yepes being made for Serie A. I think Zamorano was the striker equivalent of that. Because he was just a little plucky little striker, do all the dirty work to allow the others to shine kind of thing and then popped up with really important goals every now and again. He was like Roberto Firmino before Roberto Firmino was even uh, you know, a, a fault in his in his parents' head, but yeah, I think Ivan Zamorano was a, a great striker in his own right, iconic with his long straggly hair. You know, and um, I think yeah, to to be at a club like Inter for so long speaks volumes for his talent. Yeah, because they, they had some great strikers in the late nineties, but he was he was always in and about that side. Yeah, and. Yeah, and with Chile Chile as well. well. National side as well, yeah. Him and Salas had a great yeah. partnership. Yeah, that was one of the sort of cult striker partnerships of the time, him and Salas. But he he just missed out on my top five, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think if, he, if there was honourable mentions, I think he would have been he would have been that for sure. But my number four is who was staying in Italy, and it's Dino Zoff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... We did a we did a podcast about year year and a half ago on the, the greatest Italian players uh, top ten of all time and he was in there for me. Just think if Buffon had not have existed, people would still be talking about us off a lot more. It'd be the marker for, for all Italian goalkeepers really to to what they need to achieve. And like a lot of Italian players, he had that incredible longevity. I don't know what. What they do over there, I don't know if it's the pasta and the pizza. It just means they can play forever. And obviously, as a goalie as well, he's he's got that. But yeah, he, he captained a World Cup winning side at 40 years old, yeah. and was voted keeper of the tournament, leader for a goalkeeper as well. Not not many goalkeepers can pull off being a captain, but I think he he can do that. And still to this day, and probably will be for a little while the only Italian to win the Euros and a World Cup. Sometimes we talk about the FIFA 100 on here and yeah, he, he's one of the few goalkeepers which was named in in that as well. And I, I think club-wise he'd be best known for what he did at Juve. He won six Serie A titles in 11 years, which we stands pretty standard for, for Juve, but... In the 11 years prior to him being there, they won, they won two. And the 11 years after he left, they won two. So yeah. it kind of shows part of the impact that that he had. And like after he left, they got Platini in. And 
they still couldn't do anywhere near as good domestically. So, yeah, he was, yeah, just, a, you know, proper old school keeper, calming presence. And he's got a number of sort of records around clean sheets in a row, minutes without conceding, uh, and a lot of age-related records as well for the <laughs> Italian national team. Yeah, legend, legend. I completely forgot about him. And I've also just remembered, I forgot about someone else who should 100% be on this list. And who I think okay. you, Javier Zanetti. Yeah, that, that's yeah. my number three, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I missed him out. I might have to re, re you know, Zahajevic, you're out of here, mate. You're out of here. Let's put Zanetti. Yeah, do you, want to, do you want to talk about Zanetti then? Yeah, let's talk about Zanetti. Um, Mr. Hair doesn't move for 30 years. He's, he's, he should be doing hair commercials around the world. Him and, him and Mikhail Arteta. Hair hasn't moved at all. But it, what an engine that guy had. He was yeah. up and down that right flank. There was always talk of him and Cafu who was... He was the better right back. And, you know, if you told me Cafu, I'd say fine. If you told me Zanetti, I'd say fine. They, they were both excellent at what they did. Um, Zanetti was a right side general. He He's one of those players who uh, look at it the same as Ashley Carr. I think you don't need to play anyone ahead of them because they have that entire side up and down. They can control the whole thing, which allows you to yeah. kind of overload the middle of the pitch. Because your right winger can just step inside, and they don't have to worry about tracking back. Because the net, he might lose the ball up by the corner flag. By the time the team's got back to the edge of the box, he's there. He's everywhere. So, um, and he played at the highest level for the best part of 25 years at Inter Milan. It's ridiculous how long he played. I think he played till he was 41 or 42. Which just goes to show the conditioning of the of the bloke. Yeah, and, and so loyal to Inter as well because he was always. You know, one of the top is yeah, as you say, him and Cafu, top in his position for years and years. And in the, they didn't win a ton, did they? And he, he got yeah. rewarded, I think, from his his loyalty because at the end of his career, the league titles started to come. He won the treble with uh, Jose's mm-hmm. side, and I mean, also the fact that he went to defensive midfield and just made it look easy. And we talk about Lam and. And Kimmich, but he was the first one to do that, and I don't know, if, you know, Bayern have copied that idea <laughs> or not. Uh, but yeah, he managed to to be a top defensive midfielder as well. I remember on the old FIFA's uh, used to go to Real Madrid, so you get the max max budget, and <laughs> Zanetti was yeah, Zanetti was my choice for for right back, who I used to get the most star-studded team for. So yeah, he's yeah, he's just one of one of them players growing up that was pretty iconic for me. Um yeah, as a right back myself for for most of my time I I looked up to this guy massively. Yeah, I think most people, if you're a young player studying the position of right back, I think you could do a lot worse than watching Javier Zanetti. Yeah, as I said, the guy was he got very high footballing IQ and I think that's something that a lot of players these days don't necessarily have. I think a lot of kids and players who come through in football now are just good at the fundamentals of football and what they have to do. But you can see Javier Zanetti understood football from like a coaching perspective. He was like another, having another coach on the pitch. And I think yeah. that was valuable to to Inter Milan. Yeah, it's a shame that 
basically just missed out on either side of a ton of internet. Well, I guess he didn't just miss out at the end of his career. It was still like 10 years, but just before he, he started getting into that Argentine side, uh, that, they won a few Copa Americas. Yeah. And then he, he was one of these Argentine players that lost final after final. I think he lost about four or five in his time there. But yeah, he's still going to go down as one of the best Argentine players ever, for sure. Yeah, 100%. So you've uh, you sort of bumped Zanetti out and, and put, put Zanetti at three by, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. Who have you got at number two? Number two is Zico. Yeah, same to me. Yeah. I When I was a kid, I had a video called Boys from Brazil, or Boys of Brazil. And it was a video oh, which, which basically highlighted Brazil's World Cup journey from the very first World Cup up to, I think, it went to about the... It was it ended just in the lead-up to the 1990 World Cup. Yeah, it showed, highlighted all of the, the players and... The, what, what the media was saying about them before and, and Zico was just an, such a good player in a team full of good players that he stood out you know he took, yeah. o- took, took over from Pele's mantle kind of thing and to, to be the guy the, the next one up after Pele you have to be someone very special and he was that you know he was an outrageous player typical Brazilian flair could do things that not many other players could do and he was part of probably the best Brazilian side not to win anything, uh, not to win the World Cup, I should say. Yeah, I just used to love watching him on the, on all the videos and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, I, I wasn't there to see it live, but whenever I'd watch those videos back, I, and there, there's an overhead goal, kick he scored. I think it was against Scotland, or free kick, and it was one of the most top pocket free kicks I've ever seen in my life. Couldn't get any more top corner, um, and that's always stuck in my head just how how much top corner that was. Keeper could have moved. How's he done yeah, that? He was one of the best, the best free kick takers about, really. And that was just that was something that helped him get as many goals as he got. Because you think of him as this like creative number ten playmaker, amazing close control and, and stuff like that. But did absolutely bad goals in as well, like because of stuff like free kicks and. Yeah, he just just played some beautiful football with that that eighty two team with uh, alongside like Socrates and Falcao as well. But yeah, I would say that Zico was if you're going to pick the star of the team, I'd, I'd put it on his back. And if you had the Ballon d'Or being made eligible for everyone, because at the time it was just worse. Well, I think it still might be Europe, isn't it? You still have to yeah. play in Europe, but. You know, if if you had like World Player of the Year back then and stuff like that, I think he would have got a couple of those, maybe alongside Maradona, instead of them going to the Platini, for example. But yeah, love love this guy. This is one of the guys growing up. Uh, you you read about, you watch videos about, and one of the the fundamental Brazilian players throughout the time. And yeah, he's he's right up there in terms of the top. Brazilian players too. Yeah, which is um, testament in itself because Brazil have had a lot of great players. So for him to be you know, a lot, yeah. top three, top five, it says it says a lot in itself. Yeah, so this is number one. 
we'd mentioned double Z earlier. Yeah. You've knocked the double Z out, but have you got a double Z at number one? I have, yeah. It's um, the one and only Zinedine Zidane. Um, yeah. There's no, other, there's no other choice, really. Arguably one of the greatest players of all time. A lot of people would put him as their greatest player of all time. And when you think of the likes of Messi and Ronaldo and what they do, you look at Zinedine Zidane and you probably still prefer to watch him. Mm. He was just... This this term gets thrown around a lot. A Rolls Royce of a player. He is the Rolls Royce of football. Everything was so smooth. Like he never never broke a sweat. Never sprinted. He just seemed to glide away from players. His first touch was phenomenal. You know, he, he you know if if there's that clip that goes around that comes up every couple months of Bartes just pinging the ball to him. Oh yeah, what a touch that is. Yeah, and it first touch. Yeah. He, Flicked it and just gone past the players if he weren't there. Uh, if that was me, I'd have said, "I've oh, pulled my hamstring. I'm coming off." Because I know, you know, that's I'm not recovering from that. I'm not playing against this guy anymore. You know, I, I just wouldn't want to play against him. He he's he reminds. I say to I say this to myself and to others quite a lot that football's played in your head first before it's played on on the pitch. You have to know what you're going to do when the ball comes to you before. It comes to it, do you know what I mean? And he seemed to play it three days in the future. Like, he's already seen this match. He's watched the video over and over and again, so he knows what's going to happen. It's unfair, really, is what it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, you think his, he didn't really hit his prime. Like, when he was young at Bordeaux, he was decent. You know, he went to Juve and he was all right for a bit. But he didn't really hit his full gear till he went to Real Madrid. And it just goes to show how good he was for the national team from 98. Because... From what I remember, they weren't too happy about him before '98. No, oh, and he got a red card in in yeah. one of the the first games as well. But yeah, I mean that that final as well just shows for me one of the the reasons that you've got to have him above the likes of Iniesta and and Xavi. The, the pure size of the guy, like <laughs> he can he can head the ball. He's a threat, so he's a threat in the air. No, no one can take the ball off him. Because he's, he's as strong as anything. He's a bit nasty with it as well. Yeah. And yeah, he's just got that. I would like to see him play in the Premier League because he he has got the sort of physique of a typical box to box gladiator type midfielder. Obviously, he was so damn elegant with it. And yeah, the, the touch and all that is is amazing. I don't think I've ever seen the guy sprint though. I'm, I'm no. trying to think. He no. just he just played walking. And he's he, literally he's yeah. absolutely ripped everyone. Yeah, literally, it was just be like he he's accelerating away from players, but he's not hit full gear. It, I don't know what it is. It's like watching Swan Lake, but the football version. Yeah, it's, it's just a, an, an amazing player who I feel sorry for anyone who's started watching. You know, who's too young and started watching football after you retired because it's just not the same. Watching it back and watching clips when you actually watched him in a ninety-minute game. You realise just how influential he was. Uh, every time he touched the ball, he's doing something. He just knew what to do every single time. His decision making was always on point. And right foot, left foot didn't matter. He was just as good with either foot. You know, um, it would make it look like you got a chance of taking the ball from him, and then before you know it, he's thirty yards up the pitch. <laughs> mm. thinking, what am I doing here? Why, why am I in this? I've got the, I've picked the wrong career. Yeah, he's he's some player. I mean, he 
he's always going to be one of the first teams on the team sheet for me if I'm making like a world 11, all-time 11 type thing. But he's, he's always going to be there because he could do it all. And yeah, no, no one could get anywhere near him in his prime. And even, remember that Brazil game in, in the 06 World Cup? Yeah. yeah. Which is like, what, his third last game ever or something. And he just absolutely bossed. You yeah, know, Brazil team, totally. star-studded Brazil team. Absolutely, he totally. lost it. Yeah, yeah. it's a joke that performance, and yeah, and he's well, he's shown a little bit as a manager too. That I think Higgs may be giving him the credit for the free the free Champions League, but I don't know. I mean, what have Real Madrid sort of done since? Uh, I think since you have to give him the credit. I think. It, you know, anything that someone has done that no one else has been able to do, you have to credit them. You know, it's it's no one else has been able to win three Champions Leagues back to back to back. No one has been able to win two back to back. So you have to credit him for being able to achieve that. That's an incredible achievement. It's the same when people yeah. throw out the Invincibles, you know, they they drew too many games, so it's not that big an achievement. No one's done it since or before. So, <clears throat> if it's not that big of an achievement, why haven't anyone else done it? Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just a, something to say to get Twitter likes. I think. <laughs> That's That's nice. but, yeah, I think <clears throat> when you when you round his whole his whole career as well, like including the managerial stuff. Yeah, you're you're talking a proper proper go to the game right at the top table. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very close to the head of the table as well. Unbelievable player. Unbelievable. And a very good way to end this little alphabet series with one of the top players of all time. Yeah. Thank you again, Dev, for, for coming on on your boxing day. No worries, uh, mate. No worries. It's uh, been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. And I, I know you did it yesterday, but if you want to give a little plug to your your pod and, uh, and your channel and where we can find you. Oh, yeah. Um, MAD Sports Network. Just uh, type that in on the search function on Google and come up first. Uh, same thing on YouTube, MAD Sports Network. We're MAD Sports Net on Twitter. Myself and Gav Mack, uh, founders of MAD Sports Network. We've got a few other people, so I'll just shout them out as well. Chris Collins, he does all the visuals, the intros and outros, and does the MMA show uh, for us as well. Florian, who gets involved in the Euro show, where we cover La Liga, Ligue 1, Bundesliga, well, we're missing here. Serie A and the SPL. We've got Space Kid, who, who now does our basketball show. Gav does the darts. I do the wrestling. Uh, so, yeah, we cover quite a few different sports. Uh, we're trying to look for someone to do a rugby show, a Formula One show. So if anyone's interested, just hit us up at Sports Net on Twitter and we can discuss something. Nice. If you like sports, these are certainly the guys for you. And I guess if you don't like sports, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, cheers again, Dave, for coming on. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy Podmas, and yeah, enjoy, enjoy the rest of your break. Clear, 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 clear. Cheese. 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 No, 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 no.